Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Stuart Crawford from Calgary, Alberta, on Small Business IT Radio, a radio program for small business IT professionals. You know what? For all IT professionals out there who are looking at, you know, taking their business to the next level and getting more out of their life and, you know, all that good stuff that we all got into business for in the first place. We have a very special show uh, lined up for today. And we're on a half hour early, uh, half hour earlier because we have uh, other commitments coming up. So thank you for uh, tuning in that one half hour earlier than a normal, usual Friday at 10 o'clock Mountain Time, noon uh, on the East Coast. Uh, time slot we have here on Blog Talk Radio. For those who are not aware of Blog Talk Radio, it's a free online service where you can get on and just start broadcasting out to the world. That's what we've done here on uh, Small Business IT Radio. Go on to blogtalkradio.com today and uh, sign up for a free account and uh, start broadcasting. Again, once, once again, we have a great show lined up for today. We have our phone lines open at area code 646-716-8372. And also the chat window is open through Blog Talk Radio. You can get on there and you know, ask any questions you have uh, for our guests today or just any comments in general through our chat window. We'll see if we can get you on the air or also just bring up your questions if you uh, don't want to call in. Again, my name is Stuart Crawford, and as I said, I'm in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and this is Small Business IT Radio for August 29th. hard to believe it's the end of August already. Where is the year going? Anyway, I'd like to introduce our very special guest today. He is an author of uh, two great books that, I can, that he has listed on his website at LarryJulian.com. Uh, God is my success and God is my CEO. And I would like to welcome our uh, our good new friend, Mr. Larry Julian, who's joining us from Minneapolis, the Twin Cities. Uh, good morning uh, to you, Larry. How are things with you? And give us a little bit of history about uh, you know what you offer, you know the books you've written, you know the general, you know the two or three minute elevator pitch on who Larry Julian is all about. Okay. Well, first of all, it's it's great to be on your program. And uh, it's just uh, it's a great sunny day here in Minneapolis. And uh, yes, very quickly, my uh, elevator pitch is is that uh, <clears throat> you know I was a bottom line business guy for most of my life, uh, but things happened when I got fired back in 1989, and let's just say that God became my CEO at that time. And so my world is about helping business leaders uh, incorporate uh, faith into business. And so that's where you've seen uh, my two books. Uh, my first book is God is My CEO, A Business Leader's Guide to... Uh, I'm sorry, um, that's Following God's Principles in a Bottom Line World. Then I wrote a second book, God is My Success, and that helps people through adversity. And I just completed my third book, which comes out in January, which is called God is My Coach, A Business Leader's Guide to Finding Clarity in an Uncertain World. So that's my world, is helping business leaders find some clarity in uh, in this uh, business world that can be oftentimes very crazy. And now you mentioned you know, clarity is very and very important to success. And it doesn't matter if you're, if you're a Christian or if you're not or you know, if you uh, observe other religions that are out there. Right. I just had the luxury of spending uh, a great weekend with my good friend Arlen Sorensen at his farm in Harlan, Iowa. And then we were kind of mentioning before we went live that I was through Minneapolis and just finished 12 days with my family, which was wonderful to reconnect with them. And, you know, kind of, you know, still stay connected to the office a little bit because I do have people that I'm responsible to, uh, but also have that time away when, 
and you know focus on the family for a bit. Right. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you see when you're talking to others out there in your day-to-day activities around the clarity? You know, is the, is the waters clear or are they kind of murky like the Mississippi? Uh, you know, you know, what are you seeing out there when you're talking to uh, other business owners or you know just general people uh, in your day-to-day life? Yeah, I you know when I was writing my third book, I, I have a, uh, a a friend that's a small business owner that uh, this guy goes all around the world. And I think he said it best. He goes, as I travel about the planet, he said that the number one issue that people mention is uh, is just the lack of clarity, that there's so much uncertainty in this world. And he had a great line. He seems like everyone is choking on this big ambiguity hairball. And, you know, there's some truth to that. And it's it, if anything, it's greater now than it was let's say 12 years ago when i when i first started um you know how god as my ceo came about as i was working as a facilitator and i had the privilege of putting on ceo discussion groups here in the twin cities and these are major corporate you know ceos and you know my my paradigm my thought of a ceo is they had their act together they knew the future they were very clear they had a powerful vision and the reality of it was is that they were more like deer frozen in the headlights. Change was coming at them so fast that they really didn't know how to respond. But our society, and especially business, says you have to have your act together. So really their picture was on the, it was like a duck. On the surface, things seemed very calm. But underneath, they're paddling like crazy trying to make you know, sense of it all. And that's where um, uncertainty plays. It is absolutely increasing in every aspect of our lives, and it's like that hidden thing that people just don't talk about. And you know, that's what I see too. Is a lot of uh, that odor. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, there's that odor shell that even I, yeah. as a business owner, you know, want to make sure that I'm very strong. I'm very confident, but right. deep down inside. A lot of us are like just regular. I just call it piles of mush. That's we really exactly. we're really confused. I sat even sat in my uh, my office here at home today. I'm finishing my last day of my vacation today. I'm thinking I'm not I'm dreading the fact of going back to the office on Tuesday because although I kept in touch with things the other way, there's a lot of stuff coming up. And you know, many times business owners have no one to turn to. And this is some of the power that we do with Arlen and their peer groups. Of course, it gives us an opportunity to, to turn to others. However, not a lot of us have that uh, that resource that we can turn to for help, and we lot, and right. we're supposed to be these strong, confident CEOs, but really down, deep down inside, we're we're struggling, we're reach, we're we're crying out for help, and a lot of times we have no one to turn to. Is this what you're kind of seeing out there? Yes, that's exactly right. I think that uh, you know there there are two factors that kind of work against uh, business owners or small business, actually small business owners. Uh, all people, but I think in particularly small business owners, there's two powerful forces upon us, external forces and internal forces. The external forces are the forces that we're dealing with every day, and that is you know, a, a changing marketplace, uh, different ways now to, of, of doing business, um, competitors, uh, issues of losing customers, um, all kinds of things that are external things that bombard us that add to the confusion. 
the the internal factor is oftentimes our reaction. In other words, we react, uh, we get defeated, and then we're feeling discouraged. We lose a sale, and we start to worry about the future. We don't know what the third quarter looks like, and we respond by, you know, kind of like running henny-penny, the sky is falling. So oftentimes, those external circumstances trigger internal responses that are not necessarily that good. They cloud our issue. They cloud our judgment. And so you're absolutely right that we, you know, society expects us to be, and our customers want us to be confident. We have all the answers. They don't want to know that we are struggling. But the reality, as you mentioned, is we need to get in touch with people to discuss these things because it is a factor. And, and Larry, do you find uh, when you're talking with the people that you coach and your mentor and, and through the books that you've written, is that when a CEO or a sales executive can be humble and admit that they're just human, that they actually, you know, and put, you know, and we, we, you know, it's no, you know, it's no secret that we, you know, we, we, we are both Christians and we both believe in, in, in God and, and all that, uh, you know, other great stuff that goes along with being a Christian. However, you know, is it, is it best for us as, you know, executives, sales professionals, account managers to admit that we are, are human and we do make mistakes? Well, here's <laughs> this you touched on a very key point here. It's sometimes, you know, the battle of wills the way that I see this is that it doesn't matter where you are in your faith. Just let's just look at it from an outside perspective from the world. Yes, first of all, if you were to admit to yourself, you know, that uh, you know, that, as you're saying being humble, uh, I think that that's a great starting point for growth. If you are either, you know, dodging the truth or, you know, kind of rationalizing the truth, you're, you're always dealing with something. So internally that has a, a factor. But, you know, externally is the same thing. You know, all of businesses, it, let's, let's just bottom line this. You get sales. You know, surely your competency is important and what you bring to the table. But really, if you look at the bottom line, it's about trust. If your customers do not trust you, they're not going to buy from you. And and one of the keys, which is kind of an ironic twist, but one of the keys about developing trust is admitting not just what you do know, but what you don't know. Your customers will appreciate more than if you then, uh, you know, overcommit something or say something but can't deliver it. So absolutely, uh, it is the, you know, I mean, it sounds like honesty is the best policy here, but it, it truly is if you really boil it down to that. And that's so true. I mean, that's my own example is when I when I don't know something, I'm very open to, uh, to admit that. And, and sometimes, Larry, what I have found as well, even if it's a service that I don't provide or something that I don't know anything about, finding the right people, like, for example, putting somebody maybe in touch with you for the services that you offer, sometimes will also, or not sometimes, all the time, will actually uh, regain, or gain that trust level a little bit more because you admit that it's something that you can't do, but you're also taking the steps to connect. And Malcolm Gladwell wrote that in the Tipping Point book, Being the Connector. And I'm sure there's a lot of things, you know, that connect everything together, Uh what, and also, you know, kind of, I'm look, just looking at your website right now, LarryJulian.com, 
And one of the things that kind of struck me, and I, want, I kind of want to bring this up before I, you know, we go on to the next topic. You mentioned leadership, and kind of, uh, you know, talk what we're talking about and leadership all kind of play hand in hand. You mentioned that leadership isn't an ambition but a calling. Can you explain on that a little bit more? Right. I I believe that uh, you know leadership. There's a lot of people that want to get ahead, and uh, uh, you know I really uh, I think that that's great. However, if you really boil it down. Leadership is all about influence, and how do you influence others to get from point A to point B? And I think that uh, you know, the, the, when you're at your best is when you're doing things that you love to do and you do well, and there are certain things where you're just naturally leading others. And so I believe that that's a calling. In other words, I, I honestly believe that we've been, um, we have been created by God to serve a purpose greater than ourselves. And, and you know, oftentimes that's what leadership is all about. Leadership is not about being self-serving, you know, in terms of, uh, okay, what can I do to get more stuff? It's more of how can I give? How can I contribute? How do I contribute to a greater good? If you look at the great leaders, they are serving a, a, a purpose greater than themselves, and that's part of a calling. They recognize that. And it goes back to the issue that you mentioned a moment ago about being humble. How many people want to follow an arrogant leader that, that uh, it's about them? And how many people want to follow someone that's serving someone else? And that issue of power as relates to leadership is a tremendous double-edged sword. And, and that's something that's so important for leaders to recognize. And you, in, I mean, you, see, you said the word serving, which is you know, very important. Right. Um, servant leadership is—I wouldn't say it's all the buzz in today's marketplace, but it's starting to get more and more popular. I was at a, a luncheon a few weeks ago, and our keynote speaker talked about being a servant leader. It kind of inspired me, so I even reached out to him. And I actually, when I got coffee with him in a few weeks here, it's actually the CEO of our local NHL hockey team, which is—I'm very, very impressed by. You know, one of the things he talked about was you know the power of being a servant leader. And when I reached out to him, his number one. Uh, question to me was, I hope you're not trying to sell me something. And I said, no, absolutely not. I just want to learn more about what you had to say about servant leaders. And because my background, Larry, I was a military uh, man for a number of years. I spent 10 years in the Canadian military. And the, the military, I think they try to teach, well, going back to when I was in the military, it was more leadership by intimidation instead right. of being a servant leader. So right. even trying to get into that whole servant leadership mentality has been a struggle for me, although I've been, and I've been retired from the military for about 11 years now. Still, that you know, constant ten years of you know leadership by intimidation was the way you do. You 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 led. You told. You gave people orders, and if they didn't follow it, they always had that threatening card in the background. You know, peeling potatoes was a joke, right? Right. That's right. Are you starting to see uh, a a huge transition to the servant leadership mentality now in today's world? You know, I do because if you think of it this way. You know, an organization, whether you are leading a large organization or just a, whether it's a small organization or, or you're just a, an ind independent professional, again, let's just look at it from the customer standpoint. Let's just look at the leaders, stakeholders in business. Employees, stakeholders like, um, you know, they could be uh, ownership or they could be donors or, or sponsors or it could be your customers. Now, if you looked at it from their eyes, what kind of person do they want to, to have? Someone that is telling them what to do 
you know, and saying, okay, we're doing this, or or someone that is has a vision that connects people to something greater, and going down that going down that path, and in other words, bringing people. You all want to be connected towards a particular um, you know path, and and if if they're seeing you as kind of that uh, you know well you know it's my way or the highway, and my way is right or their arrogant view. Um, I think people get turned off by that, you know, and that that happens that happens in many forms, if you would, or and and uh, you know, I, I definitely think that people want to track with something that they can connect with, and versus being told what to do. And Larry, when we were kind of figured out what we wanted to talk about for this uh, program today, one of the things was dealing with leadership and finding success in today's world where there's a tremendous amount of distractions out there. Right. And, you know, what what would you say we need to do as stakeholders in our company, business owners, even just as an employee, what do we need to do to find that utmost clarity? Or, what you know, what steps can you advise somebody on to, uh, to, to start taking that, you know, that end goal of uh, having the utmost clarity in what they do? Sure. Well, clarity—it's—it's it's kind of an interesting uh, point because uh, as I was doing my research for this third book, which is all about clarity, finding clarity in an uncertain world, I, I posed that question, and it, what I found is everyone wants clarity and direction, but it's an elusive thing. It's like that when you played with mercury; it's kind of elusive because. Um, as, as I had one friend that put it so well, it's sort of like um, new level, new devil. And in other words, there's kind of an interesting twist to this. We all, you know, you're, you're part of, all of life is about growth, which means you're growing and you're always moving into new territory. So that's part of leadership is you're leading people into the unknown, both yourself and others. And so in each stage, there's a new area of growth. You go into a new area that's met with new, uh, new gray area, new uncertainty. So you're you're going into the to the unknown. So there's an argument that says you're never totally clear because there's always an element of uncertainty as it relates to the future. So going back to your question of what do you do about it, what I did is I created um, a coaching process that says rather than trying to eliminate uncertainty because that's not realistic you'll never you're never going to eliminate the unknown the uncertainty so the the real issue is um what here well here's the bottom line you cannot control uncertainty you can only control your your response to uncertainty so in that light the goal here is to grow from the inside out. In other words, you need to grow upon your foundation, your core, and what you do know versus worrying about the things that you don't know. And so what I did is I built in eight coaching processes, I call these P's, that help you, in essence, become a better you. So in other words, as you become a better you as a person, then you could be a successful business person or someone or a family person, but it starts with growing yourself 
to respond to the uncertainty rather than trying to eliminate the uncertainty. Okay, and that makes a lot of sense. Can, can you go into detail what some of those eight uh, steps would be? Sure. So as an example, the first step in the coaching process is purpose. And so how do you find – I pose the question in this particular case, um, you know, one of the big questions is, well, how do I integrate my career with my calling? Or how do I deal with this uncertainty? So the answer is, if you find your unique giftedness, you'll find your unique calling and career. And so that's, that's a key element. And, and so what we do, the first clue is, is that um, combining with what you love doing with what you do well. And so one of the things that I do, and I've, I, uh, there's an organization called People Management, and they have a, a process that's pretty well known. They, they do executive searches for CEOs all over the world. And one of the very basic premises is, is that when you get in touch with what you love doing, with what you do well or your sweet spot, then that unique giftedness integrates your career and your calling. So what we do is we go through a five-step process that helps you understand what is your unique giftedness. What is that? And it, there's, an in, there's an interconnectedness with that. So there's you know five distinct areas that you uh, we go through as an exercise: your abilities, you know what are those gifts, the subject matter that you love, the circumstances that, or the right in, in, uh, in environment that's right for you the nature of the relationships, you know, kind of are you a natural leader, a follower, a facilitator, a spark plug, and then what's the payoff? What is that thing that everyone searches that's the payoff of answering why you do what you do? So when we combine those five, then we get you, you know, you find your purpose and you go from there. So that's an example for the first one. And, it's you know, it's also very important to, um, to have that un understanding of what your true purpose is. You know, I, I went through this exercise probably about a year ago, maybe, maybe a little longer now, where kind of running around, you know, very successful what I was doing, but really had no idea why I was here doing it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I sat down and and figured out, you know, and put my my trust in, you know, things that are much more powerful than what I am. And... Uh, have that clear understanding with, and I read a book by uh, all the purpose driven life by Rick Warren. Yeah, it really helped me understand that. And uh, it wasn't until I had that crystal clear purpose, what I had to do in business, where the kind of the passion for what I was doing was re reborn, and uh, really helped me get to the next level. Uh, besides finding the passion, uh, Larry, and, and uh, you know finding your purpose, what other things would you recommend to uh, to a small business owner or you know, an IT professional who, uh, you know, maybe is struggling in what they're doing day to day. Sure. Well, and again, I, you know, in, in just a, a very you know, quick, as you look at the, the big picture of what you do, and this is the way I try to do this and kind of the synopsis of, of this coaching process is not just your finding your purpose, but you need to find, you know, your potential and, uh, you know, it's basically incorporating the um, creativity into the process. And it's not just problem solving. You know, I go through a process of uh, these seven I's, 
you know, which I say open up your eyes, and it's a play on word, on on words. But again, it's looking at what's around you and finding creative solutions. And part of that, you know, helps grow your business. It's you know the first step in that is you know finding that felt need. Where are the issues? And it's not really about solving your problems; it's serving others' problems. So that's under the area of creativity. The third one, which is huge, perspective, and I call it the gift of appreciation. Um, most business people, and uh, I would say people that are in your profession and others, we look at things from, uh, you know, we look at what we don't have versus what we do have. So we're always striving to reach some particular goal, and it's never enough. And typically in business, we'll do a SWOT analysis but it, it's not really giving us the right or the correct perspective on where we really are in relationship to where we want to go. So we go through and look at the kind of those unseen things. If you looked at things from God's eyes, you then begin to appreciate God at work in your surroundings and business, and then your business literally becomes an expression of the gratitude of all the things that you begin to see. And it manifests itself in different ways in, ter- in terms of showing expression of gratitude, appreciation, you know, to employees, to customers. And so you've got, you know, that process. You know, the next one is platform, and that is everyone, everyone, you know, they have a personal brand. And so you need to find your pre- your personal brand by understanding who you are. And that becomes a very important aspect in terms of, you know, business. Because you need to communicate um, not just what you do well, but who you are. And then as we go through this, I have the gift of power, and that's a huge area. But oftentimes we get, uh, oh, distracted by the pressures. And we um, we have a lot of blind spots. And uh, sometimes <laughs> our strengths can be our worst enemies because, you know, we keep on doing what we do well, which is good. But there's also blind spots, and we need to know that balance. Is that then, like working – sorry, Larry, is that like understanding your weaknesses and, and working toward improving your weaknesses or just having an understanding of of your weaknesses and, and focusing on your strengths? You know, it's it. I, I think it's beyond that. I think that um, – Power is a huge issue. It's a very deep issue. Um, and power, you know, kind of power and pressure, kind of the double-edged swords. They're synonymous in certain ways, but they're double-edged swords. You know, we strive for power, and then we get power, and power can get, can destroy us. And the 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 you know the challenge is in its subtlety. And so. Um, it's something that's very important to recognize. So as an example, I'll give you different examples. I mean, you could be very ambitious and you're very gifted in what you do, but you could literally, there are people that become, uh, that they are uh, adrenaline junkies. They work for the sake of working to get the high of the achievement, but it's never enough. And they, I've known people that have done that and have uh, created disasters in their personal life because they couldn't get out of that, uh, you know, achievement mode. 
Oh, by the way, I've been been there and done that, and I got a good collection of T-shirts to prove it. So keep going, Larry. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, but uh, but I think what's important here, the the power issue is, and this goes back to being the servant leadership. With leadership, you know, comes responsibility, and so oftentimes um, we lose sight of that. Or again, from our self-serving standpoint, we may you know do certain things that they have a negative impact on, on others, whether it's, you know, our own families, but it can go beyond that. And this is not to get, using as example, let's just use what happened in the news just a few weeks ago with John Edwards. And and this is not a slam against him, but just if you take a step back and look at that, it's a, it's a wonderful example of, you know, of power on how, you know, if you overstep it, how it could hurt you. So as an example, here's a gifted person who has a purpose in mind and a valuable one. But, and without making any judgments, the reality of it was, uh, with, I found it fascinating, his responses, in that literally he said, you know what, you know, I, I got the, the power got to me. I thought I can do things and just, uh, you know, kind of, you know, get away with it. And so, you know, he had an affair, and that affair, it's not just that, you know, it, it killed his um, reputation or what, you know, his career. But you have to look at the, he had a tremendous following that people, you know, were really looking to him to serve a greater purpose. And that did not happen. And so what happened was uh, that power, which, which he did have, which was a gift that he had, was literally became then an abuse of power and that worked not only just against him, but against all his stakeholders. And we, in many ways, do things like that all the time. So it's a good thing because we have power to, to make changes and impact the world in a great way. But if not left in check, could be um, could become our weakness. So it's not. It, it's this is like, for instance, the strength that made John McCain. Um, um, John. Um, uh, Edwards successful also became his downfall, and so sometimes those strengths that we have could be our downfall, and we just need to be aware of them uh, to make sure that we're using it for the right reasons, for the right purpose. So I was reading in the uh, Globe and Mail this morning, which is our national one of our national newspapers here in Canada, about the Olympics and how the athletes train so hard to in this situation, go to China and, and compete in the Olympics. Right. Is now they have a a struggle, and it's almost as you know strenuous of a struggle as you know competing to get to the Olympics. When they come home after the Olympics, there's a sense of uh, lack of fulfillment in their life because now they have nothing. There's nothing in their life anymore because they've right. done. And even if they won the gold medal, what do we do next? And right. You no. Know, if somebody came to you, Larry, and said, you know, Larry, I've done everything I possibly can get. I know there's more out there for me. I just don't know what to do. Right. What would you What would you say to them? <laughs> well, that's that's fairly common. I, that's not that's not off the mark at all. I think probably you know here's an interesting thing. I, uh, interesting coaching assignments, but I've had um, one in particular, but several uh, you know people contact me because they actually have made it. They are financially wealthy and independent. And they are in their 30s and 40s, respectively, and said, I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. 
I had one gentleman call me. I'll never forget this email. It was an email first, and then we spoke. But the email said, you know what? I just he built up a business, and he's and he sold the business, and he goes, I'm staring at a check for one million dollars, and why am I so depressed? I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. And I thought that that was very interesting because this gentleman is very gifted, very talented. Yet he doesn't know what to do with the rest of his life, and he is young. I mean, he's, I think he's 38, 39 years old. And so my first, uh, you know, my recommendation is, um, first of all, step number one, it, it's all about the, the process and not the outcome. We cannot, we live in an outcome-driven world. And, you know, I'm not against outcome. I mean, that's, you know, that's how we grow our business. We have to deliver. So that's a good thing. But the, the, what becomes a bad thing is when the outcome becomes the number one priority, then it could potentially be bad because then we're always living for the next hit, for the next, uh, you know, what do we do next? What do we go on to the next? And really it's a process. I mean, it literally is the long-distance, you know, race. And, you know, I mean, you can surely win, you know, you know, each individual races along the way, but we do lose sight on, um, you know, the process and we're all works in progress and we grow until the day we die. I heard a saying once, Larry, and I mean, it may be relevant for our discussion here. It was from a, a professor at the University of Phoenix. He told me once, he said, uh, you know, if you if you're if you're green, you grow. If you're ripe, you rot. Yeah. And you can, I guess you could say that in a faith base and in, in an emotional base as well. As well, if you're if you always have that mindset of you know I'm a I'm a green piece of fruit. I'm always ripening, and I will never actually start ripening because when I start ripening, I'm actually going to start rotting from the inside. And I think. Right. I think that's what happens to a lot of people is when they hit that pinnacle of success in their life. They hit, what can I do next? And they actually start dying off a little bit every day instead of growing. And I think I like what you said about. You, you can constantly grow until the day that you're no longer with us on this earth. Absolutely. And I think that there's the, the, the paradigm in this world is, is that you work hard, you make, your, you make your money, and then you retire at 65, and then you play golf and, and relax. And that is a, prescri- <laughs> that's a prescription for early death because, you know, you, the minute you stop growing, you basically are going to die. I mean, you. I mean, you've seen people that have done this. I mean, it's like anything else in exercise. If you stop exercising, your muscles will atrophy. If you stop using your brain, it atrophies. Um, these are the things that happen to to elderly all the time. And I mean, the, the science shows that you need to be using your brain, using your heart, serving a purpose. These are things that keep you alive that's the essence of life so i want to kind of switch uh, gears a little bit and and go on to something you mentioned um, earlier on the in the program here around faith and business right uh, i have uh, some great great friends through our heg peer groups that and uh, one of the things that we do we concentrate on the faith side of our business and we, it's one of the things we have to report on every quarter you know how are we growing spiritually uh, as well as professionally right what are you seeing, Larry, around you know acceptance of people's faith, and you know it could be Christian, Muslim, whatever faith that people be- uh, believe in? Are you finding a general acceptance now, or is it still one of those things we just don't talk about in business? 
Well, I, I think that it's a, a combination of two things. I think, uh, for starters, uh, there's clearly a significant movement of integrating your work and faith. So that is something that, uh, when I first you know, wrote God as my CEO, when it came back to, out in 2001, uh, you know, that was the tip of the iceberg. There's a significant movement, uh, primarily because of two factors. Um, one is, you know, oftentimes we have the, the paradigm of, well, you can pray to God on Sunday and go to a church on Sunday or synagogue or wherever you go, but Monday through Friday is a whole different world. And so as a result, there was a huge and continues to be a huge disengagement and disconnect in the Monday through Friday world because people were, you know, you need to bring your whole self to work. And people are looking, tremendously looking for meaning and purpose in their work. They're working crazy 60 hours a week. You better have some meaning behind it beyond just earning a paycheck. So part of that has uh, created an explosive growth in the integration of work and faith. Now, with that said, there's always a, a level of... Um, you know, the, the the nature of the beast of society is to com compartmentalize our worlds. And so as a result, you know, there are two very distinct cultures with different, different values. So the business world, you know, is all about, you know, it's about getting, it's about getting versus giving, you know, in the, in the spiritual world. The business world is about, uh, you know, it's about me, you know, serving me versus serving others. It's profit over purpose. And so you have these, you know, very divergent values. And so that still is an issue and will continue to be an issue because, you know, it's this kind of, you know, let's put it this way, religion, just like they say certain things don't mix, um, you know, business and, you know, religion uh, oftentimes do not mix because they're just very, you know, divergent, you know, views and there's prejudice uh, relating around religion, and that could be all kinds of religion, you know. And uh, and and I think the key is is that it's it's really not about a religion, but it is about you know you bringing your spirit to work and your faith to work, and that's a different matter. And I mean, I I have a number of friends who. Build their business on, you know, they're 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 Christians, so they build their Christian uh, fundamentals and teachings, and they take that attitude to their to the work. So everything right. they do is based on, you know, their faith and, you know, what they would do in a, in a, as, a as a Christian. I mean, one of my great examples, a friend of mine from Duluth, Minnesota, has a great business, uh, just up uh, I thirty five from you there. And he built his entire business on Christian Chris, Christian basic fundamentals. Larry, one of the things we see, are, you know, is how can me as a somebody maybe looking for an employer, how do I break the ice and find out what their if they have that Christian fundamentals or, you know, whatever faith base they they may have, but you know, how 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 do we breach that, you know, that quote unquote unspoken, you know, topic? Right. Well, I think that uh, you know my. My first answer that I've continued to give over many years is let who you are speak for what you believe. You know, I, I honestly believe that, you know, if you, through your behaviors, through your actions, the essence of who you are, uh, you, will, you will communicate your faith. 
So as an example, um, you surely can uh, approach someone uh, with love, uh, even your competitors with love. You can show respect. Um, you can um, do so many things that demonstrate your faith. And, and that, you know, one of the things that, you know, that I communicate all the time, it is not about trying to convert anyone to your way. You know, like, for instance, they don't, when, when someone hires me, you know, my job is to help a person get from point A to point B. You know, my job is not to convert anyone or preach religion. Now, with that said, I'm bringing myself and my core values um, to the table. So people know where I'm coming from, but my focus is on them and helping them get from point A to point B. And so what I do is uh, I give four principles for helping people uh, it, it basically um, uh, effectively integrate their work and faith or to um, share their faith. And the first one is reflect. And, and very simply, you know, one of the basics that Jesus said is let your light shine before men that they see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In other words, it's who you are and, uh, you know, kind of walk your talk. So reflection is two things. It's not only having an inward reflection of who you are so you, before you speak, but it's also a reflection of who you are as it relates to what your faith is in your actions. The second one is respect. And I think this is a key one in a diverse world. You need to be able to respect the dignity and worth of all people in a diverse world. And so that's a key element. The third one is reconcile. And this is more of an internal issue than anything else. Reconciliation has two components. Number one, you need to be able to reconcile who you are. So you've got to reconcile your professional self with your spiritual core. So you're a person of integrity versus saying one thing and doing another. And then you need to be able to, as a leader, you know, reconcile with others as it relates to having some form of connection uh, in terms of, you know, with its team or what have you. And the last is what I call raise. And that is, it's a culmination of all three. You need to raise the level of how you do business. And in other words, it's not just uh, instead of demanding an answer, you know, raise a question. Instead of, um, you know, putting someone down, why not raise their spirits? And instead of having a level of communication that is kind of an us and them, which is conflict, how about raising it to a level of civility? So all of these, if they, if they do, they raise the standards of excellence for your business beyond being politically correct and beyond just doing the, the mediocrity of day-to-day -day world, but doing something that is... Um, you know, above and beyond. And that's what honors God. So that's what I would suggest. Now, on your website, uh, you have a, a number of great uh, testimonials for your books. Uh, everybody from uh, people within the or Orlando Magic organization, Conical, uh, re retired Marine Corps uh, officers. Give us, a, you know, in the last few minutes we have here together uh, today, give us a quick overview of the, of the of the two books you have coming out and the, and the third. I know you mentioned about them, but Let's go in a little bit more detail about uh, what people can ex uh, get from the two books that you have out, what's coming in the third, and how, uh, if they feel so inspired that they want to reach out and, and purchase these books, how can they go ahead and get those uh, those books today? Sure. 
Well, all three books are a culmination of, they're kind of a progression of how things started. And and all three books are a reflection of, uh, you know, they say, to, to be an author, you know, I had to live these things that I had to write about. So, you know, I struggle with all of them. You know, the first one, God is My CEO, the very capsulized, you know, what that book is about, is basically is how do you integrate your work in faith? Um, how do you do it? Um, you know, so what I did, because it was such a taboo subject, is how do you create a God-honoring business? What does that look like? And there's so many issues, many of which we discussed today. Um, that just helps you encapsulate uh, a lead, you know, your leadership on how you do that. And so that's for all all people. But in particular, you know, what, what may be of note to, to your audience is if, if you're a small you know, small business owner or professional is I created a uh, God is my CEO business plan because that's what I did as my life. I was a sales and marketing guy before I got fired. And, um, you know, what I did is I wrote business plans and strategic plans. So I uh, developed a, a 15-point business plan to help you create a business that honors God that, but also helps you uh, be successful. So that was God is my CEO. And then after God is My CEO came out, uh, I wrote God is My Success because I I started to get a lot of calls that said, you know what, yeah, I mean, I'd love to honor God in my business, but to tell you the truth, I am struggling with this issue. And so five issues, you know, kept on coming up. And so um, what I did is I wrote a book that helped them overcome that. So basically, for... For God is my success, there were five issues. That was pain, financial slavery, lack of confidence, busyness and distractions, and fear. So those five issues were the kind of the internal issues that uh, really challenged uh, business people. And so I wrote a book that uh, had a partner with God to overcome those five issues. So then after I wrote that book... Um, just in the continuing and working you know with uh, people literally from all over the planet in terms of you know where they lived and worked whether they're big you know CEOs to small business owners was the whole issue of this uh, uncertainty and uh, that just kept on coming up in terms of you know I, I'm, I'm uncertain in so many different areas whether you know, the business demands that I do this, but I don't know if I can deliver it or there are changes going on. And so that's where I, I wrote this third book called God is My Coach. And uh, that actually uh, comes out this January. And I'm excited to have that come out. I'm very excited. That's basically a cum culmination of all the books that helps people develop, um, you know, help grow themselves. So, you know, they, they're clear. You know, they may not be, uh, they may not know the future, but they're pretty clear on who they are, what they are, and they're better able to respond to that uncertainty. And Larry, I'm assuming these books will be purchased uh, in any regular bookstore like Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or anything like that. Exactly. The, at any major bookstore, they should be Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You know, any of those. It should be in any major bookstores. And I noticed even had uh, one of the key executives from uh, the Minnesota Wild Board a testimonial. So being a hockey fan myself, that's very inspiring. <laughs> that's good. That's right. Well, 
Oh, yes, that's right. We had a full. We have a. He's a very uh, interesting uh, uh, gentleman. He used to. He was the. Uh, gosh. Uh, Established uh, rollerblades, been very successful in the Twin Cities. Absolutely love hockey. Brought hockey back to the uh, state of Minnesota, and yeah, so you know that that's that's very big. Excellent. And Larry, you know, in, in closing, um, you know, what three magical tips? If you had to give, you know, if I if I turn you to Larry, I just need three things that I can start working on tomorrow. Uh, to take from where I am today to where I want to get to. What were those three uh, tips that you can offer? What would they look like? I, oh, that's a good question. Boy, I'll tell you. Let me. I, I would say that, um, well, let me start with focus. I think that if, if there's a starting point, uh, I think that, uh, you know, obviously God is in the center of all three books. I would say that the the very starting point in what I do is that uh, I believe that your success is wrapped up on your inner um, your inner core strength comes from God, and and I believe that if you could tap into that, you're going to be successful. And so I guess the first thing I would say is that rather than living a compartmentalized life, you know, being the trying to be that, uh, you know husband, good husband, good business person, and, uh, you know, good church member, you know, rather than living the, you know, separate lives, I think you're one, you have one life, you know, and that one life in that spiritual core will manifest itself to the other aspects of your life. So I think first and foremost is, um, you know, focus on strengthening that spiritual core, and that'll help you in all other aspects. So that, that would be you know, one aspect that uh, that I would share. You know, I think that the the other is is that uh, it's hard to do because I, I'm still I, I battle with uh, my own selfishness. But I guess the other one is is that uh, uh, get out of the way and allow God to work. And so what I mean by that is is that um, we're constantly you know, focusing on ourselves. You know, our life is about, uh, you know, being the best we can be and, um, you know, striving ahead. And, you know, we we have a tendency to just, you know, we're focused on ourselves all the time. And and I think that if you really legitimately focused outward and, and just looked at uh, others, and that could be, you know, in your family, your your wife, your kids, um, your customers, uh, see where, you know, focus outward on someone else. And I believe that if you put your energies towards solving their problems, I think that you're going to be successful. And so it's, you know, it's a, you know, a fundamental shift. So that would be, you know, a, a second one that, uh, that I would offer. And I think... You know, I think that the, you know, regarding the um, the third is um, I think that you have more power than, than what you think that you have. I think that, uh, you know, it's easy to get discouraged. Um, and I think lack of confidence is a, is a uh, you know, big issue with people. It's easy to, to, to lose focus. And I think that, um, you know, I think that... Uh, what I would say is that to, 
to trust that uh, God has a plan for your life and uh, to, to remain, be patient. Be patient with that. I think that perseverance will, will serve you well. And so I would just say to continue. You know, one of the things that, you know, I, I like to leave people, you know, and I go by is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and that is, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So for those people that may be struggling, uh, there's things that, uh, that you can't see, but God does. And just trust that. There is a better day ahead. So I would add that. That's, that's great, Larry. And I really want to thank you for uh, your time this morning to come on to uh, Small Business IT Radio. It's a little different twist than what we're usually talking about from the technical side. I think it's very important uh, as we take our next step into, you know, finding our purpose and finding, you know, what we're here on earth for and putting our trust into uh, into God. And, you know, even if you're not a Christian, into your uh, your God or the person that, or the thing that you look up to in the world, I think it's very important. There is a, there is a force in the universe much powerful than us as, as people. And I want to thank you uh, for your time, Larry, to, uh, to come on the program this morning. You bet. It's been my pleasure. And, uh, Larry, just in case uh, somebody's very inspired and wants to reach out to you, is there a way that people can uh, contact you? Absolutely. Um, you know, you can, uh, you can go to my website, which is uh, www.larryjulian.com, and um, you can just, um, you know, probably the, the most direct way is, uh, you know, larryjulian at comcast.net. Perfect. Or Larry at LarryJulian.com. Both of them will get to me. Excellent. Once again, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for your time. It was, uh, again, one, it was very inspiring uh, to have you on the program today. And just to, you know, kind of keeping in uh, this whole frame of mind where we're going here is in the upcoming uh, programs, we have the authors of the Goalgiver book. And, Larry, I'm not sure if you ever read that book. I have, I've heard of, uh, yes, I haven't read it, but I've heard of the book, and I've heard very good comments from it. Well, that was the whole purpose of our uh, linking up in Iowa last weekend was to review the Goalgiver book. So we'll be having uh, the authors of the Goalgiver on on September the 19th, and Arlen and I will be we'll chat with uh, Bob Berg and and John. All the name escapes me now. Oh, John. Oh, John Mann. That's right. Uh, on the, some of the learning, the five laws of stratospheric success from the Goalgiver, and uh, you want to tune into that one. We have Eric Simpson joining us at the end of September on his upcoming new book. Um, we have a couple other Minnesotans coming on next week, uh, next Friday. We have Eric Thorsell of Success Computers uh, out of Minneapolis and Leif Wildeberg from uh, My Tech Partners, also from Minneapolis. They did a wonderful show there, Larry, a few about a month ago in the Twin Cities where they actually worked together. So they're competitors, but they work together on a, on a great uh, uh, show in Minneapolis. So we're going to talk about the value of coopetition in today's marketplace. Sure. That's so you want to tune into that one. And, again, uh, we're on every Friday at uh, 10 a.m. Mountain Time normally. We uh, have a full schedule in September, so I rec- rec- uh, highly recommend you go to smallbusinessitradio.com and uh, you can subscribe on iTunes and you can get the whole schedule uh, online there. Uh, again, this is, uh, this is Stuart Crawford. Thank you, Larry, for, uh, for joining us today. It's a pleasure. And we'll look forward to uh, uh, having you uh, listen to us down the road here. Again, again the, the whole purpose of this program is to give you the information that you need in your business to uh, to get that, that success that you really want and, and create that lifestyle that you need. So this is Stuart Crawford. 
We're signing off for today. Have a great and wonderful week.